welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical environmental and anti-capitalist politics, brought to you by Bob Bazanka and Scott Park. I mean, do you want to uh, talk just a little bit about the larger issues of where we are, where we're going, because something that really struck both of us yesterday um, was the interview with AOC in the New York Times of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, she's as good as it gets on the left. So, you know, I kind of sometimes being critical, but no, I mean, she's actually, uh, um, if nothing else, and, and, and she understands this, like a few people in the GOP do. She she's charismatic. She's glamorous. She's got the message. And, you know, whereas, you know, the GOP is embracing Tom Cotton, Nancy Pelosi mocks her, you know, the green dream. She mocks the squad. And, you know, ALC said, you know, it was really pretty, pretty hardcore incendiary stuff. And in fact, she said she's so sick of it. She's thinking about getting out. So which which, you know, I think is pretty powerful. Um, because she actually has the ability, I think, to, to create a movement where, especially young people, you know, she's all over social media and has gazillions of followers. So, um, I mean, it, it, we just said a couple minutes ago, I mean, we, we, we always believe that, you know, the white working class is, is important, right? There's, it's huge, just statistically, it's big. And, and we always thought that there were material arguments to be made, materialist arguments to be made. And I hope I'm wrong, but honestly, I think if you came here and said, uh, we're going to give you, uh, you know, Medicare for all. We're going to create better, give you better ways. I'm not sure that would win an election for you anymore. I think if you come here and say, you know, the cops are under siege, they want to defund the police, they're going to take your guns away. Uh, those black people are taking your jobs. You know, uh, you know, look at that. LGBTQ Immigrants are taking your jobs. Immigrants take it. Look at that LGBTQ movement. I think you can come here and give them better wages and health care. And I'm not sure uh, that would win an election. I mean, in Florida... They just raised the minimum wage at the same time. Trump won pretty easily. So uh, what, what do you do? I mean, that's the question that I think that we're going to we're going to have to like figure out. Right. Kind of like going back a little bit on the on the culture war stuff. I, I Just everything you just listed off, like cops around murdering black men, LGBTQ, LGBTQ movements, uh, all of these sort of like aspects of the culture wars that they own and they like have i don't even know if i want to they've indoctrinated like a large portion of the population i don't want to say brainwashed i feel like that sounds more conspiracy sounding but they've indoctrinated a large portion of the population that that you know they they are under siege by these like cultural forces from the left and they and, and it's the donald trump's and tom cotton's that are going to keep them safe it's the it, QAnon. QAnon is a conspiracy and I'm hoping we'll have a show on QAnon sometime in the future. Is like that's basically what it's doing. It's making people who are afraid of being overwhelmed by people who are different than them feel safe because Donald Trump is their savior. And and so you know where where do we go from here? We're you know here in 2020, after a year of some of the worst disasters, both a pan, you know economically, uh, climate change is on the is is hitting us hard. California burned up pretty bad this summer and, and then like 250,000 and counting people dead from the pandemic is that we're we're on the we're on the precipice of a of a of a new century of a new century of, of a new era and, and we need to figure out as 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 the left you know intellectually as organizers etc where we're going to go from here because something does something does need to change 
Yeah. What did little Carmine say? Where the precipice of a stagmire or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Love the malpro- um, malaprops. Yeah. No, we, we we've got plenty of that. You know, I was, you know, remember I was saying, yeah, this could be like a 1980 election. And boy, was I wrong. And, you know, partly I was because I was following the polls. But honestly, to me, it was COVID. I'm just thinking, like, you can't kill that many people, including, like, old people who, you know, generally vote for you, you know, uh, and these poor rural communities. You can't do that and win an election. And 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 it didn't matter. I mean, of the 300 and about 400 counties with the worst COVID rates, 93% of them voted for Trump. Um, seniors, you remember Biden a few weeks ago, he's ahead by 15, 20. I don't know. I think it was, I think he may have finally won seniors, but it, if he did, it wasn't by more than a point or two. And that's the part that really terrifies me that Trump got 70 million votes, 10 million more than last time amid the worst pandemic in a century. Uh, and uh, one in which he knew how bad it was and did nothing, called it a hoax, said it was going to magically disappear, withheld PPE, accused nurses of stealing equipment, accused doctors of uh, making false death certificates to make more money, which is utterly just like one of those things he makes up and people believes. Like, that's the part that played favorites with states with Democratic governors not getting PPE and other forms of relief. You know, he, he demanded that, you know, plants and farmers and school kids get back in to save the economy. He had people like this nut job senator from Wisconsin, Johnson and Dan Patrick, uh, openly, I think Chris Christie may have even said it, which is really ironic, right? You know, saying that, you know, old people need to be willing to sacrifice their lives, you know, to get the economy reopened. And, you know, he suppressed testing. Uh, he did not. I mean, as if he's a real fascist, this would have been it, man. If you're a fascist, COVID is a dream. You can take over every freaking part of the state with under the guise of this massive public health crisis. He didn't do anything. And, and, and yet he got way more votes. He got, what, 17% more votes than he did uh, four years ago. And he got the votes of people who've been the most affected, the most literally killed by this. And that part freaks me out. That scares me. I'm glad Biden won. Thank God we've, and I think, and I think COVID will get better. Absolutely. But the fact that people were willing to literally walk through that fucking razors and shit to vote for Trump, uh, as he you know, doesn't give a flying rat's ass about whether they literally live or die. It's scary as shit. It's terrifying. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Am I being uh, hyperbolic or I'm uh, overwrought? Sounded like certain people on Facebook. Just kidding. Um. Like me? No, I mean, I, I no, I mean, I think that, that that's I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not trying to be smart ass. I'm serious. I'm, I'm that scares me more than anything. Yeah. COVID. The fact that they the fa- I mean, this guy should have been at 20 percent. And the fact that he still came very close to winning, despite this utter disaster that he ignored and actually made worse, is, is scary. And that's a cult. I'm hoping, you know, the best I can come up with at this point, I think a shrink needs to actually analyze America at this point. Because as a historian, you know, I, I can do so much. I mean, there have been, you know, the core of, of what's going on here isn't really that hard to understand. You know, I mean, it's happened many times before. You get these disaffected people, economic crisis. You, you, you have these nativist, anti-immigrant appeals to them. You invoke racism. You invoke law and order. That happens all the time. That's not that big a deal. I mean, that's Nixon's campaign, more recently, Reagan even, to some extent. It's pretty much the playbook for a lot of campaigns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's easy. Like a historian, like even like me, can figure that out, you know. But Trump's taken that to a, a, a far different level. 
right? I mean, he's gone way beyond that. He's ignored the rhetoric of, of conciliation. Um, he's hasn't even pretended to give a shit about working people. Um, you know, you know, your great big beautiful jobs or whatever. He's invoked tariffs and things like that that have made their lives much worse. And and he has people in the streets with swastikas and AK forty sevens and uh you he's know, encouraging them to act and, out violence. Yes. He's inciting violence. That's the part I don't get. I can take it to, you know, like I can take it from, you know, if it's here, I can take it to about here, figure mm-hmm. it out, analyze it. Mm-hmm. I think you need a shrink here for that last part. I don't know. I have no clue. It is, it's cultish. It's like, really, it's, it's Manson, Jim Jones stuff. And I know it's like anti-intellectual. I generally, I mean, I could be goofy and hyperbolic, but I'm very, when it, when it comes to stuff like that, I'm pretty careful, you know, and I don't, I've never said shit like that before, but I don't know. I have no clue what to do because that part is, is utterly incomprehensible to me. You know, people who, you know, um, I, I hate being like in 2016, like the day after the election, all these liberals are like Trump's people are racist. And these are the people at Walmart and look at these white trash houses that have Trump signs and all that. And it really pissed me off and still does to some extent. Well, it still does a lot actually in 2016, but four years later, I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah. I don't either. I, I mean, to be, to be honest, to be honest, I see people I knew that I know that I grew up with. I think you you're similar to this. You, you know, I grew up in a working class, the middle class suburb in, in of, of Dallas, Texas. And the one thing I do see is that the people who still live there are the ones who drink this GOP death cult Kool-Aid. Yeah. Most of the folks who have left and moved on to probably what I would call like more progressive parts of the country haven't. And, and, and I, I feel like those of us who left fled so we would get away from that cool from, from the kool-aid drinking death cold of, of the gop but it's you know these are these are affluent people and these are people who have been like to college and, and traveled globally you know traveled around the world so it's not like they've been like just like holed up in their gated community or, or whatever it's or their gated suburb it's 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 really it's really disconcerting i i, I do feel like racism and you know fear of others is, is a big part of this though and and can they learned it from their parents and they just continue to feed it to their children. Barack Obama won Ohio both times he ran. Um, I think the Clinton might have also, I don't remember. Um, he did Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah. No, you know, and, and, and so I thought 2016 was, and I still think Hillary Clinton deserves so much blame for all this along with Bill Clinton and Obama and Rahm Emanuel and Biden and everybody else. But you know, Obama won Ohio twice, for instance, and this becomes my reference point. I'm being a sociologist or a journalist now. I'm using Trump and Mahoney County uh, as evidence. But Obama won Ohio twice. And then, you know, a lot of it in a flip for Trump, including this area. But I thought that was kind of a one-off thing because you had such a uniquely horrible candidate who was so closely connected to NAFTA and her husband's policies and ignored this area. But um, Biden didn't. I mean, it, you know... One of the practical things I think to talk about is the way they campaigned. You know, could they have sent people door to door? Would it have mattered? You know, probably they could have. And I think that helped Trump in the end, having those dumbass COVID spreader rallies and shit like that. But Biden did put in an effort. I mean, there was 
there was an infrastructure, not a not an old fashioned GOTV infrastructure. But but he did he did take Ohio more seriously. Actually, the one group he improved on most wasn't white working class, like non college educated white working class people. I think was actually his biggest gain demographically. Yeah. But you know those people are gone now. I think you know because. You know, 2016, you can understand, you know, because a lot of people I know said, I like Bernie and I like Trump. But in 2020, after four years of Trump, it's hard to it's hard to figure it out because, you know, these are people who voted for Barack Obama twice. And uh, they're now voting for the guy with the, you know, encouraging people to swastikas and, you know, kill protesters in the street and stuff like that. Law and order. I, yeah. it, it did seem to me that that the. the Biden campaign. I, I think that the Obama campaign in 08 and even 2012 were, I mean, that was something of a, a, a transformational year. We, in, in 08, there, you know, we'd been through 9-11 and two wars, which are still going on and economic crash, that sort of thing. And, and Obama came out as this sort of transformational figure. And I do feel like the Obama campaign did a lot of organized organizing and trying to pe- meet people where they're at before they had been drinking this sort of racist, homophobic, bloody bloody Kool-Aid. And it did seem to me like in, in some cases the Biden campaign didn't do that. And the Biden campaign basically felt like people had already made up their minds and they mostly just did as much as they could to like increase the margins and get non-voters who support them to register and vote is a little bit of the Beto O'Rourke phenomenon. And, you know, that's, you know, that's how they carried Detroit is that they really, you know, doubled and tripled the black vote in Detroit. So they would win Michigan and they doubled and tripled the, the black vote in Atlanta and Detroit. So they or Philadelphia to, to win those states back as well as, you know, taking advantage of this, how unpopular Trump was in the suburbs. Uh, but, but it's not, it wasn't a same with Clinton too. It wasn't this like transformational moment where, you know, there's, there's a lot of Americans that we can speak to. I don't know. I also feel like now I'm sounding like a fucking liberal pundit. I really don't like that. So well, I mean, Trump, Trump is transformational. And I, yeah. I mean, is it just Trump, the, the person, the family, or is it bigger than that? I, I don't know, but, um, it's, it's scary. I mean, and, um, well, here's that thing I mentioned earlier, uh, of the 376 counties with the highest COVID rates, 93% of those went for Trump and most were in rural areas in Montana, Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is the only state in, in that, that, that Biden one. But even if you look at a material argument, which I've always made, I mean, this is on, this is a mea culpa because this has always been my argument that like, you can transcend all that, you know, by offering them like material you know, kind of solid material gains. This is an old school union industrialized area. And that's kind of what I was raised with. But um, 12 million people have lost employer-based health care by September and at least 20 million more at risk because Trump uh, scrubbing a- ACA. Although I guess with, well, I don't know, with Mitch McConnell still in charge, what will happen there? 30 to 40 million people have already been evicted or at risk of eviction uh, or not making their house note. Um, over 30 million unemployment claims have already been filed and four to, f- that was by July. I don't know. I couldn't get the, you know, quickly get the, the newer number. So it's obviously bigger than that. Estimates are between four and 5 million jobs have already vanished forever. Certain industries are, are basically dead. Uh, about one third of unemployed workers who've been out of work for six months or less. Trump has already said he wanted to, well, you know, he made it clear he was wanted to eliminate the payroll tax, which funds, 
uh, Social Security, uh, and Medicare. So, you know, on all of these material issues, um, you want to get rid of the post office? Uh, on all of these material issues, there's no positive. And that's the one thing, again, to sound, I know I sound like a liberal pundit now. I, I don't really talk to Trump people anymore. I can't. And I'm not proud of that. You know, I've always kind of tried to pride myself on that, you know, being the not the asshole lefty who's condescending and elitist. And, you know, in my old age, I've become this professor thing or whatever. But um, I've never talked to a Trump person who could tell me an affirmative reason they they support him. Like, I like what he's done here. I like what he's done there. It's basically, you know, they hate the same people or I sound, I know this is liberal stereotypical bullshit. I don't like saying it, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes stereotypes exist, you know, for, for a reason. But I don't hear them making, you know, I think it was like he's getting tough with China. That's kind of substantial. And I've heard a few people say that, you know, he's he's standing up to China, you know. But uh, honestly, like I've never I'm not hearing affirmative cases. You know, like even Biden, you can say, well, he's going to take care of COVID. He's going to get back into the Paris Accords. You know, he might reenter the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, you know, he's at least open to, you know, increasing the, the minimum wage and blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. But I've never heard that with Trump. So there's no affirmative case that people are making for him, which makes me go back to these kind of racial and cultural issues, which I generally, you know, I'm not that woke, like I said. But no, those are real, too. I'm being somewhat facetious there because lefties don't ignore that, despite what the stereotypes suggest. You know, Marxists don't ignore race and gender and culture at all. They never have. Right. But uh, um, I'm at the point now where I'm thinking, like, I don't think I don't know if class matters. Honestly, I don't know if you came to trouble in Mahoney County and said, I'm going to give you health insurance. You're, you're covered now. You're good. I don't know if you, I don't know if that would matter in terms of, you know, who they go for. No, I, I think that's I think that's like right on. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of co-opting class issues with this culture stuff for their corporate sponsors on the, on the, on the side of the right. Yeah. What did Trump say the other night that the Democrats represent wall street, big tech. And uh, I forget, I mean, he's right. We've known that forever. Um, they're presenting themselves, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they're presenting themselves as a working class party. That's not quite, but I mean, in Ohio union members broke for Trump heavily union yeah. members. Yeah, broke for, broke for for Trump heavily. Lordstown, you know, I drove by it the other night. I was I came in on the highway and I took a picture of you know Lordstown, which used to employ twelve thousand people. Now it's empty. It's it's shuttered. Allegedly, some kind of electric car plant's going to come in and create a few hundred jobs. Um, and 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 you know they, they voted more overwhelmingly Republican than they have in who knows at least a half century, maybe a century. I don't know. The exit polls from the New York Times said 40% of the union households went for Trump. I'm talking about Ohio, just Ohio. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, don't, I don't know. I, but, but no, I think... I, I think it's horrible. 40%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as bad as you know, the Democratic Party is, it, it shouldn't be 40, 60, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's another part of this, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier with the 50th episode, like, um, where are the kind of, you know, is there any... I mean, we've seen this, like, big wave of... Uh, um, wildcatting and, you know, all kinds of labor actions and teacher strikes in red states, red, te red state teachers. Uh, another shout out. We do this to Mike Elk of payday report who we have to get on here, uh, hopefully soon. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on out at, you know, even, I mean, um, George Floyd strikes several labor councils, you know, if Trump tried to create an election crisis had talked about a general strike, um, Sarah Nelson, who's a rock star should be head of the FLCIO. You know, there's that's encouraging, but you know, uh, 
you still have, you know, Hoffa and Trumka and Weingarten and these fossils who are, uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, the modern day Al Shankers. Uh, and, and it's, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to lay, you know, to hang your hat on the labor movement as, as an agent for anything like meaningful at this point, maybe these people, you remember that great show we did with Joe Allen and talked about UPS and the Teamsters, right. but, uh, that's, that's, that's looking rough too. So I think it's up to like you guys in the streets and, you know, your Enviro groups and your crews and mutual aid and, and the wildcat unions, wildcat unions. And, you know, just, uh, stopping the system at the point of production you know talking about this fossilized union leadership and and also we were talking about aoc earlier is that the other thing that needs to change and at least needs to be called out which you know we're proud to do on the green and red podcast is the democratic misleadership class and you know everything from feinstein being the top democrat on the senate judiciary committee during barrett's confirmation to Clyburn to you know, God help us, Schumer in the Senate, who, I mean, after fucking up the Senate races this year, it's so bad. How is Schumer even going to have a job? Which he will, because he'll reelect him and Pelosi. And, you know, we'll be probably talking a whole lot about the Democratic misleadership class, which we always do. But it's like, it's something that needs to be continually called out. And, you know, I, you know, the Democratic Party is a, is a corporate party. Like we've said that already multiple times just today, but, but like it's, it's a, it's, it's really, it's just destroying the country. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Agreed. It's, so, it's, it's more response. I actually blame them more for what's oh. happening in the country right now than Trump and Fox News and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it over like a 40 or 50 year span, absolutely. Because it started with actually Jimmy Carter, right? And you created this neoliberal, DLC model. I mean, um, uh, I think, you know, Biden is superior to Trump, not even close. But in terms of creating Trumpism, a vital role. I mean, the Democrats kept moving further and further to the right. The great Julius Nyerere once said, uh, the United States only has one party, but typical American extravagance, they turn it into two, you know? So, uh, um, which is what we're going to do with this episode. Right. You're exactly right. And, uh, but I mean, these are the people who decided that John Kasich and Rick Snyder and the Lincoln Project were more important, like at the convention, than having like Sherrod Brown, senator from Ohio, who I think would have won. Become I think he'd be if he decided to run, and the Democrats would have let him get the nomination. He'd be president today with a much bigger uh, victory than than Trump. Yeah. Brown Brown knows how to speak to these people. He's actually not a bad guy. I mean, in terms of progressive politics and stuff, he's as good as you get. He's I would actually vote for him over Sanders or Warren or, you know, any any of those people. But they've decided that the Lincoln Project, then you've got these people like Abigail Spanberger and the Fed and Rui Teixeira. My God, in 2002, he won all these awards for a book called The Emerging Democratic Majority. In that period, you know, Obama lost both houses and the Democrats lost a thousand seats. And this year, you know, they lost seats that seemed they seemed to have in their grasp. You know, I joked this like, yeah, in 2002, I wrote a book saying I'm going to marry Scarlett Johansson. You know, people laughed at me. They took him seriously and gave him awards. And, you know, neither one of us were right. You know, so uh, yeah. it's just incredible that they keep going back to this Clinton, Podesta, Neera Tandon. What's that called? Center for American Priorities or Center for American Policy? These progress. Center for American Progress. 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 These hacks, you know, and and they Which act. Tahara is a fellow at Center 
for Cat Cow. Oh, yeah, so he's on Mary Cannon's doll, yeah. yeah. I mean, the GOP is embracing that batshit woman, QAnon woman in Georgia, who's now in a pissing match with Crenshaw, who's the Houston rep in my district, the guy who's with a the Republican. Who's a Republican. Crenshaw's oh, he's Republican. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Crenshaw's freaking insane. And the QAnon woman in Georgia is going after him. And the Democrats are cool with that. Whereas you have AOC, who's like, you know, just has more cachet and charisma and glamour and political savvy than the entire party pretty much combined. And she's a pariah there to the point where she might get out, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that tells you a lot about what you need to know. And, you know, uh, I mean, Biden is breathing space. And what's important now is what to do with it. You know, it's funny, like a lot of lefty activists, not lefty activists, a lot of lefty professors, intellectuals, whatever you want to call them. We're on the uh, who gives a shit train, but they're just the same. It doesn't matter. We're just electing another white guy as president. And ironically, it was like the lefty activist. He said, oh, no, I want Biden to win. It just makes my job a little less dangerous, you know. Um, and I just wonder what you thought of that. And then, like, going forward, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen to this party who has been far more willing to embrace, you know, Conway and Wilson? And, you know, I can't remember those other, you know, guys from the Lincoln Project. At a certain level, I I feel like both parties are moving towards irrelevance. I, I feel like that's been happening for a while. I, I, I feel like that's why we see the, the right-wing corporate Democrats just, you know, from New York and, and California have all of this power and are increasingly out of touch with what used to be their base. And they're increasingly out of touch with, you know, people in the street. People in the street organized and rallied, turned out the vote, doubled, tripled turnout in you know the places that mattered in milwaukee and detroit and philly and atlanta and, and places like that vegas arizona and you know the republicans are also becoming increasingly irrelevant to their what was their base which were like white suburban republicans because they've been hijacked by the QAnons and the nazis and the trumpers and i, I mean what i see is like how how much longer we can, I mean, I know these institutions can last for a long time. They've both been around for hundreds of years, but like how, how much we're, I just feel like we're increasingly seeing a breakdown. I don't think it's going to be a third party by any means. I just, think oh, God, people, no. God, I just no. think people are going to be like less, less engaged and they're going to do like their own local politics. Um, one, one of the painful things like I've seen for the last six months is, you know, like this is proof we need a third party or this is proof we need the greens, you know, and Oh, geez, that's like the worst dance because it's still caught up in that world of electoralism. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. which which form of cancer do you want? One thing I will say about the Lincoln Project before before you do this is uh, um, I politically I never liked the idea, but but I love their ads because they got into Trump's head so much uh, that they the entertainment value was off the charts. I will give them that. So. Right. One of the other things that we've Scott and I've been talking about a lot is this idea that um, the idea of the Lincoln Project is Trump has abandoned the Republican Party. He's created this new Republican. It's not the Republican Party anymore. It's Trump's party. And Trump's not a real Republican. And we need to go back to the old days. And uh, I was looking around because, you know, I teach and I have a section in my uh, syllabus on my outlines on the rise of the right in the 60s. And I was just I was actually looking for, you know, just a Barry Goldwater commercial from 1964, and they actually made a campaign film called Choice. And I found this, and I sent it to Scott. It's like, oh, you got to watch this, man. So that's what this is. Yeah, and so for folks watching this on YouTube, you'll 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 see what we're talking about. For folks who are listening in on podcasts, it's uh, we'll narrate a little bit because some of it's 
without narration. It's just and we'll, and we'll also put the link in so you can watch it on your yeah. own. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 about three and a half minutes, just so you know. Lots of racy pictures of people dancing and now police attacking crowds of people. Yeah, you got women dancing provocatively, black people, an out-of-control car, and cops. Now we got angry black people. Or more angry black people, right? Integrated dancing now. Olive Wilder's a car speeding along the highway, too fast for its own good. This is like X-rated stuff in 1964. Yeah. Littering along the highway. Pledge of Allegiance, images of Congress, images of the White House, Statue of Liberty. And just, you know, folks think about the parallels of what we've been talking about with the culture war stuff today. There's uh, Magic Mountains, Constitution. Now there are two Americas. One is words like allegiance and republic. This America is an ideal, a dream. The founding fathers. The other America, the other America is no longer a dream, but a nightmare. This is more riot scenes. Immorality begins to flourish. Violence pits American against American. We don't want this. Lots of images of police fighting black black folks. How did it happen? Is there a reason we seem to have changed so much in so short a time? The first America, the dream is still in our hearts. Crashing waves upon Plymouth Rock. Out of the sea, the rocks, the forests. Brave men passed on to us a revolutionary code of justice. Of course, the pioneers. Freedom. <laughs> Hands up. <laughs> Out of a virgin land, they cut it and built it and marked it with a cross. Now, this is what the Lincoln Project brought. This is what the Lincoln Project people gave the world. That ad is is every bit as odious and extremist as Trump. And that was, you know, 1964, 56 years ago, 
Donald Trump's not an aberration. The GOP was always like that. Rick Wilson, I think it was Wilson, you know, was putting out tweets basically defending George Zimmerman, um, you know, not that long ago, you know, several years ago. And and this is who the Democrats are embracing, you know. And so what you have is this 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 political movement, this entire political system, which is so moved so dramatically to the right. You know, Goldwater, by the end of his life, was kind of, you know, kind of renowned, not recanting some of the stuff he did. But um, this ad, you know, I think really reflects on the I just, you know, because so many of these liberals love the Lincoln Project. Like I said, the ads were funny. They got under his head. But but this is what the Republican Party is. And to be more like them, which has been the Democratic strategy, you know, the, what was Rahm Emanuel's is the year of the suburban Republican, right? Or Ed Rendell and people like that, you know, uh, Roy Tischer, Abigail Spanberger, uh, you know, uh, Kasich and Snyder and Jeff Flake and, um, you know, uh, it's a family tradition. And Cindy McCain. It's McCain's, right. I mean, it's this this stuff. It's bigger. That's what I said. It's kind of like my my fear over why, you know, how COVID did not destroy Trump, you know, how this like real sentimentality about what the Republicans used to be. You know, and I've said before, you know, and I actually actually believe that Nixon was in, in many ways the last liberal, but he was an odious, despicable, detestable human. You know, but at least politically, he was still operating within, you know, the last vestiges of the New Deal system. But um, Trump is not, you know, everyone said, oh, you can't normalize him. It's like, no, he's very, he's very normal. He's crude. He's vulgar. And that's thankfully his downfall. He's not competent. He's not smart. He's crude. You get somebody with those ideas who's a little bit slick, maybe Cotton, maybe Holly, who knows? Maybe Nikki Haley, who knows? But but that's that's dangerous there. That's the real threat. I just think they're a pack of grifters. Who have, like, oh, they raised they, like 70 million dollars, didn't they? Yeah. and the, And the. You know, people on the, I don't want to say the left, but people on like liberal camps like drank that shit up and gave them money. And now they're probably going to, you know, they're going to start as a, they're going to continue on and they're going to take that money given to them by people who probably voted for Biden and, you know, support conservative candidates. And it's a grift. It's a very, it's a very, they didn't buy like, they didn't buy TV time even, did they? They were just putting this out on free media like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so they made coin on this Conway and has Conway's daughter spoke out yet. I'm waiting for that because she's become like my, my favorite analyst, the political analyst <laughs> in 2020. So. Uh, Steve um, Schmidt and Steve Schmidt, who was a yeah, McCain, Schmidt, McCain Schmidt, guy for a long time. It's yeah. part of it. Wilson, Conway. I can't remember all of them, but you know, and I, I know so many liberals who just idolize. They're good patriotic Americans. This is, I don't know what happened to the Republican party. I do. You haven't been watching Reagan opened up his campaign in the KKK founding city and, you know, uh, um, uh, this this romanticization, and that gives oxygen not just to the right, but also to these Rahm Emanuel, uh, Nara Tandon, um, Spanberger, Claire McCaskill, you know, these types, you know, these really retrograde Democrats who in the 60s would have been probably to the right of like Jacob Javits and Mark Hatfield, you know. Yeah, I mean, we should do a show sometime in the future on the the, what Rahm Emanuel has wrought on the politics of the Democratic Party at some point. If there's any last thing, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm thrilled, really. I'm elated Trump's lost. It, absolutely. No reservations. Voting for Biden was not a difficult, you know, anguished decision for me. It was actually very simple. You know, once COVID hit, especially, it's like, okay, you got to get rid of Trump. 
But, um, you know, seeing the popularity of Trump is, is terrifying amid these conditions. But, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I always, you know, Mao Zedong had a way with words. Uh, and, um, you know, Mao said, Mao said that uh, the people are, are the water and, and the rebels are the fish. So if you're going to change things, we're not, we're not in a revolutionary situation in America. Uh, but if you're going to change things, you, you do have to operate in that sea of the people. And, you know, that they, they keep fish alive. They keep the fish alive. They keep the organizers alive. They keep the activists alive. They keep the people in the streets alive. Like the Wall of Moms, which, you know, I get choked up every time I even think about that, you know. And, um, or, you know, these uh, black women in Atlanta, you know, and, and uh, you know, um, so it's out there. It's out there, uh, you know, but, um, you know, we have to kind of keep, keep that in mind and keep, keep plugging away and either, you know, just blow up the Democratic Party or just ignore them. I'm not sure if either is possible or which one would be better. Right. I said this in our pre-election episode, and this is the theme of the podcast, but this is the moment where we all need to get involved and, you know, not just sit and yell at your computer and not just sign petitions or uh, hit like on things, but instead, this is where you go out and get involved in your community. And you know, we have this question, which I think is going to be a, a, a kind of important question that we're going to ask on future shows in the podcast. It's like, what do we do with these 70 million people who voted for Trump, which in a sense, you know, voted for cops killing black people, children in cages, tax cuts for the rich, the Klan, QAnon, et cetera. And, you know, uh, what, Rittenhouse. Ritt, Kyle Rittenhouse. And what do we, you know, the Proud Boys, what are we going to, you know, where do we go from here? And I think that's going to be an important question going forward. And, and, the, and that one of the, at least one of the answers at a certain level, even if it's just for, you know, for therapeutic reasons is to go out and get involved. Like the, like the great writer said, uh, you know, action is the antidote for, to despair. So get involved. And, uh, you know, what we've seen too, is if you mask up, um, you'll probably be okay. We're not seeing spikes and we're seeing spikes from Trump rallies and he's killing his supporters, but, uh, because they're not masking up. Yeah. Cause I'm no, seriously. I mean, these street demos, you're outside, you're masked up. You're actually, you know, um, you know, you, 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 you can, you can take precautions and still go out and do effective action. You know, if you have health problems, I know I wouldn't recommend it obviously, but hell kids storm the field at the end of a football game. Um, but, uh, you know, mask up, be careful, but yeah, get out there. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a lot of people out there doing it already in Portland and Seattle and New York and Chicago and everywhere in uh, Viter, Texas. So um, shit has hit the fan. It's not going away. Trump is not going to be president on January 20th. Uh, there's not going to be a coup. You know, Mitch McConnell is going to be Senate or whatever the hell he is, majority leader again. Uh, Biden and, and Pelosi and Schumer are going to want to, you know, cut deals and be moderate and reach out and all that kind of bullshit and just be prepared for it. You're not moving them to the left. Um, you know, the best we can hope for is that Larry Summers and Rahm Emanuel aren't, aren't on, on board telling him what to do. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, rumor today that Mitt Romney is going to be a cabinet member, you know, so it's, it's, you know, but we've, it's kind of like you're on an airplane, you go through the turbulence uh, and you mittens, find a little mittens is back. 
they have five, you level off and then like 10 minutes later, boom, you hit the turbulence again, you know, and that's, that's kind of where we are. Enjoy it. I mean, you know, I, I know I've been a jackass, like, you know, like from day one saying, okay, now it's time to get rid of this and do this. Enjoy it. I mean, take the week and enjoy it. Who cares? You know, it's, it's worth it. It's worth the celebration. You know, I smoked a good Cuban the other night, uh, like a real Cuban. Uh, I got out some good scotch, uh, so had some good wine after that. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. I really am. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's deposed. Uh, and you know, I, I guess theoretically, if a better candidate had run, it might not have been 75 million to 70 million, but even so take 10 million votes away from Trump. That's still huge. Take 20 million votes away from Trump, take 65 million votes away from Trump, you know, it's, it's a big problem. And if you listen to the green and red podcast, we guarantee hundred percent money back that you will get information that you won't get anywhere else. Right. Well, money back guarantee, right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Money back and, guarantee. Uh, I believe, uh, uh, Washington green red podcast, uh, fulfills your RDA requirements for radical history and politics. So you don't have to take your vitamins. You can just watch the green red podcast. And, and we, uh, are, we are looking forward to the next 50. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just, we will, uh, make your life better and, you know, we'll, we'll teach you how to speak foreign languages and, do uh you know chinese algebra and all kinds of stuff like that if you so, don't know how to drive a stick shift we're here for that i can do that actually yeah. i can write i can write i can give motor i can ride a motorcycle i can t- teach you how to do that yeah. teach you how to make italian food you know just maybe we should start cooking shows you know <laughs> cooking <laughs> instead of like like our friends at coffee with comrades shout out to them because we love them we could start cooking with comrades you know so yeah. that'd be brilliant that's an idea. Don't that's we're copywriting that. So if anybody out there does it, we get we get a cut of your royalties before us. Okay. All right. So. Folks, you've been listening to the Green and Red podcast. Bob and Scott's thoughts on uh, where we go from here. If you like this show, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe in that little corner. And if you want to donate, go to greenredpodcast.org and hit the donate button for a one-time donation or go to patreon.com forward slash greenredpodcast and become a regular recurring donor. And we um, are looking to see, we are looking forward to see what happens next. And we'll be talking to you soon.